We're going to get into today's message now. This is, uh, this is part four of a five-part series called Your Story, God's Glory. It is a series about pursuing your purpose. Why are you here? What are you doing with these, um, you know, six, seven, eight decades on this, on this spinning planet that God's given you? What are you doing with your time? What are you doing to make a difference? You know, um, how, how are you spending this life? And so we, we've talked so far about um, finding your purpose in your place, like uh, understanding your place in the world as one way of finding purpose. And then we talked about finding purpose in your pain. And, and Greg Kelly came and talked to us about his time in prison and, and how he found God in the most painful part of his life. And we talked about finding purpose in your passions last week. And that's a very important one as well. You can catch all those sermons on YouTube or, or wherever you catch the stories sermons. Today, we're going to talk about um, finding, um, finding purpose. I'm drawing a blank for some reason. <laughs> finding um, purpose in your, what is it? Somebody, power, there it is. Sorry, I don't know why I forgot, but I promise I'm ready. All right, so I'm going to talk about finding purpose in your power today. And then next Sunday, we're talking about finding purpose in other people. And then we're done after that because I'm out of P words. I don't know any others. So uh, five weeks of purpose, and then we'll move into scripture and the skeptic. So today it's power. So what do we mean when we say you can find purpose in your power? I, I want to caution anyone listening against overcomplicating this. This is not a complicated sermon. This is a very simple concept. Power is not what the world says it is. Power is not what you've heard it is. Power, simply put, is the, your ability to to accomplish anything, to do something. So it, you can have power to do something that just anyone can do, or there's some things you have power to do that only you can do, at least in your time and place in the world. Like you're the one who's positioned to do that. And it may be something huge and astronomical. It may be something mundane and everyday. But either way, we're talking about power. And, and so if you're just like me, maybe, or others, like you don't think of yourself as a powerful person. But if you're following Jesus, what I'll tell you today is you probably have more power at your disposal than you realize. You're probably more powerful than you know. But the problem isn't um, whether you have power or not. The problem is just a fundamental misunderstanding of what it means to be powerful. Because the world says it looks like um, how many people are serving you, right? You measure your power based on how many people answer to you. That's power, according to the world. If you see somebody that's, uh, you know, at the corner office, They've got, like, Meryl Streep in uh, the, the fashion movie, uh, Devil Wears Prada. She's got two assistants. Like, that's power, right? Like, we, you, you know power when you see it because you've got all these people that are dependent on this person. That's power, we think. According to Jesus, that is not what power looks like. Okay, so if, if you believe Jesus or not, it, that's up to you. But, but if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to take him at his word that that is not how you measure true power. That measurement of power is a facade. It comes and it goes. It's false. There's a better way to measure power. And according to Jesus, it has nothing to do with how many people are answering to you or how many people are serving you. On the contrary, the only power that matters in the kingdom of Jesus is measured by how well you're serving others. How well you serve the people he puts in your path. Are you a servant of the people he puts in your path? That's the fundamental question we're talking about today as we talk about power. He said it himself in Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 to 28. He said, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. 
And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So this is Jesus talking. And if Jesus, you know, doesn't look at power as, uh, you know, just something of being served by others, like if anyone's deserving of that kind of power, it's Jesus. And he's saying, no, 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 the power I came to give you comes through serving others. That's what we're in this for then. Because the word Christian, those of us trying to follow Jesus, the word Christian literally means little Christ. The reason we follow him and worship him is to become like him. And so to claim the power he came to give us, it means to to serve others as he served us, right? And so that's what we're trying to do is more and more embody the, the character of Jesus every day. And so he doesn't make us more high and mighty. He doesn't even necessarily make us more successful as we follow him. In some ways he might, but in other ways he might make your life more of a struggle because the point of it all isn't for you to get rich. You do not exist to retire wealthy and fat and happy. You do not exist to graduate with honors. You do not exist to get good grades. You do not exist to be successful or to get married to your soulmate and have babies. That stuff can be nice, but it cannot be your first thing. You don't exist for those things. You exist for something better, something greater, and something more powerful. And maybe you know, and it starts with being a servant, not only of God, but a servant of others. <laughs> That's where it gets tricky. <laughs> because we all have people in our lives who just frankly don't deserve us as servants, (laughs) right? They're just, they're hard to serve. But whenever that thought creeps into your mind, ask yourself how hard it must have been for Jesus to become your slave. Like you at your worst, right? And you'll have your answer. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about um, this by looking at our our, uh, scripture passage for today. This is from 2 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. For the Spirit of God, for the Spirit God gave us, does not make us timid. So listen to what Paul's saying. The Spirit God gave us doesn't make us timid or shy or ashamed, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So don't be ashamed of the testimony. I'm going to come back to that in a second. Again, don't be ashamed of the testimony about Jesus or of me, he's talking about himself, Paul, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose. There it is, purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. So the grace that God planned to pour out on our behalf was the plan before we ever existed. The only question that remains is how will we respond to it? Will we respond by living a holy life? By letting his power take over our lives, right? So um, what I want to say, one of the things I want to say today is that you were created to contribute to God's kingdom. You were created to contribute to creation. So the word contribute just means to invest, to support, to uphold. You were created with the power to do this. But it's interesting to me, Paul's warning here. Like, he's always giving this warning. Several times in his letters, he says, guys, guys, stop being ashamed. 
Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Even Jesus himself said, those who are ashamed of me in their daily life, I'll be ashamed of them before the Father. You know that passage? It's one of the most terrifying passages in the whole Bible. I don't want Jesus to be ashamed of me before the Father, but if I'm ashamed of him in this life, what does that tell him about my feelings or affections toward him? And Paul's always saying it. It's almost like a sure bet that the first Christians struggle with the same kind of shame that we still struggle with today. The shame that makes us sheepish about Jesus. Because, I don't know, different reasons, but we don't want to be that Christian. We don't want to be that guy at work who's, you know, always browbeating or always like the Jesus freak that nobody sits with at lunch because they don't want to get preached at. You're like, I, I'm not saying you should be that guy, but I think the fear of being that guy is what keeps us in that place of shame. And Paul's always saying, don't be ashamed, don't be ashamed. Why? Well, it's not just because we miss opportunities to evangelize. That's part of it. It's not just because Jesus might be ashamed of us for the Father. That's a big part of it. But it's also because claiming the name of Jesus and claiming the Spirit of God is the source of our power. And without that, you're powerless. And I think a lot of times we want to be Sunday morning Christians and get our Jesus on on Sunday mornings and then feel good about ourselves and do our thing without Jesus from Monday through Saturday. The problem is that's like going shopping without your wallet. It's like, it's like riding a bike on I-10. Like you're just, you're just hopelessly powerless. Actually, a better analogy would say it's like going shopping with your wallet, but convincing yourself and everybody else you don't have a way to pay. When you do, you're just not accessing it. And so to call on the name of Jesus, to acknowledge the spirit of God in your life, that is the source of your significance. If you want to live a significant life, receive the power of the spirit of God. Claim his name instead of being ashamed. It's always interesting to me with uh, hanging out with guys, Christian guys, right? It's, it's almost predictable. Hang out with guys, watch a, watch a game, you know, let's say, Watching a game, our team wins. That used to happen in Houston. Not so much anymore, <laughs> but maybe again one day we'll see. Um, we'll see. But but you're hanging out with guys, Christian guys, watching the game. Your team wins, and there's all this you know action at the end of the game. And the sideline reporter gets this famous jock and says, uh, you know, great game, Andre. Uh, tell us how you did it. And the guy's like, first and foremost, I'd like to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for this victory today and for helping me make this catch today. Without him, I never would have made this catch. And, and, and I, I think a lot of skeptics kind of roll their eyes at that stuff. But Christian men are always like, that guy gets it. I, I hope my son will be like that guy. Or, or if he's already raised a son, he's like, why can't my son be more like that guy? Like, like finally a young man who has his priorities straight. But what's interesting is, the same group of Christian guys will go to work the next morning and crush a project at work and knock it out of the park. And their coworkers are like, tell us how you did it. And not one of them will go, I'd like to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for, for, <laughs> first and foremost today. You know, it will never happen. It will never happen. Rarely. Some of y'all at home are like, I'm a Jesus freak. And there's like three or four of you at the story, right? Like, like no, I get it. There's one or two of you maybe in the room right now that, they, that, that are that way. But most people... We just we would shy away from that moment to speak of Jesus in a public way. What I would say is um, we're missing out on the power when we shy away from the opportunity 
to bear witness to who he is and what he's done for us. Well, what I want to say with the rest of our time today is that God will give you the power to serve. That if you are following Jesus, you are a minister of the gospel. (laughs) You don't have to be up here on staff as a pastor to be a minister. God calls all believers into ministry. I am no more your minister than you are mine. I know it's just tradition to introduce your pastor to your friends as, this is my minister. That's great, as long as you're okay with me introducing you the same way. Because we're in this together, there's no like pecking order here. We have different jobs, and you know, my job happens to be at the church, but we're all in ministry together. If Jesus is your Lord, then he can't be relegated to Sunday morning. You're a minister of his gospel every day of the week. You ever thought of yourself that way? You should. That's part of the power we're talking about today. And there are ways that God will empower you to serve his kingdom and the people he puts in front of you. Just a few simple ways that I'll talk about today. First is the most, is I think the simplest way. God will equip you to and empower you to serve the world around you just by way of your attitude. Now, Attitude seems like just kind of self-helping, you know, uh, talk, mumbo-jumbo kind of uh, psychobabble, but that's, this is biblical. Okay, so um, when we talk about attitude, we're talking about the countenance you bring with you into every room. And I get it. Some days are easier than others to do that, uh, to bring a Christ-like countenance with you. But, but there's somebody in the room right now, I don't know who it is, but somebody needs to hear this. Just because you feel like an angry, cranky old ogre. Doesn't mean you have to behave that way. Are you aware of this? You are not a slave to your mood. I'm not saying you have to be chipper in a fake or plastic way. Like you you introverts don't have to pretend to be extroverts all of a sudden, God forbid. You know, like, don't worry, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you can choose to have a Christ-like countenance or not. Circumstances aside. Because when Jesus is your Lord, you realize he's the God of the mountain as well as the valley, good times and bad. And the joy he gives you is not based on your circumstances. And so even when things feel like they're falling apart and you're stressed out and you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, you can still, before walking into a room, say, Lord, give me a Christ-like spirit right now. And he will shine through you. And that's part of the power of having a Christ-like, kind, benevolent uh, um, presence with people is that you walk in a room and people notice. They don't notice you. They notice Christ shining in you. And we walk into some dark rooms, many of us every day. I don't mean physically dark, spiritually. Walk into rooms where people do not know Jesus. They think they might know Christians and they don't like them very much, but they don't know Jesus for sure. And your countenance with them, your approach with them, the look on your face when you see them can make a powerful impact. There are people under your own roof who feel entirely alone right now or lost or depressed or deep in doubt. You can say, Lord, use me right now to walk in this room and shine a light. I'm stressed out. I don't feel good, whatever, but I want to be Christ when I walk through that door. The, The choice to dictate your own or determine your own attitude or countenance with people, you know, that's one of the only things you have absolute control over in your life. And we forsake that power when we allow ourselves to follow our moods. 
and to be uh, dictated by our circumstances. So that's the first way that God can empower us. The second way is by our abilities. God can give you the power to serve with your abilities. Now, what I mean with that is uh, your strengths, your spiritual gifts. I talked about those a couple weeks ago, Romans chapter 12. Um, your affinities. Like, everyone's obsessed with this stuff right now. Y'all know exactly what I mean. Because uh, never before in the history of the world has it been more important to know your strengths, to know yourself, and to know your personality type and all that than it is right now in 2021 America. <laughs> Everyone here has taken at least one assessment in the last probably 12 months. You've taken the disc profile or the strength finders assessment or you've all of you have probably taken the Enneagram because some crazy friend made you do it. And, and you, you know what your strengths are. You know where you fit in. You know, you know what your affinities are and all of that. And, and that's fine and good. That's fine. Sometimes I think it's a little bit self-interested, self-involved, because it, it leaves out the most important question, which is just, so what? So you know what you're good at. <laughs> Who cares? If you're not using that, toward building the kingdom of God or toward doing something outside yourself, doing something that will outlive you. Like, who cares if you know what you're good at, if you know who you are, if you're not contributing to the kingdom of God or at least pouring into and serving the people God puts in your path. Look, there's all kinds of skills in this, in this room right now. And those of y'all watching online and at Timber Grove too, there's all kinds of talent. You wouldn't believe the diversity of people that I get to talk to as a the pastor of the story, it's one of my favorite things about this job. I get to have coffee with such a wide range of people. Over the last few months, I've had coffee with a CEO of a, of a major company here in Houston who employs hundreds of people, and, and he's got multiple assistants, and his wife's got multiple housekeepers, and, you know, you look at that, and you think, that's power. And he's about to get to retirement age, and he's retiring where most of us would love to retire, right? Like, I don't mean geographically. I mean financially. Right? Like, he's just there. He's hitting on all cylinders. But when we talked, we didn't talk much about how powerful he is or how powerful he feels. You know what we talked about? How insecure he is about finding a place to serve in the church. He's not sure he belongs or has skills that really can make a difference. CEO, Fortune 500 company, is unsure whether he has the skills to make a difference. And I, I remember talking to like a, a surgeon, right, over breakfast, Buffalo Grill, had, had breakfast with a surgeon who literally has this precision and skill to put people's bodies back together and give them their life back. This is amazing abilities, and he's always been on top of the class, and, and he's got his own practice and doing great work. And he, too, just wonders where he fits in in the kingdom of God. What do I have to give? Talk to a coach who somehow manages to get Dozens of high school boys from different paths and in different stages of puberty together on the same page to win games together. Like, that's an amazing skill set. But again, what do I have to give? Who am I? What do I have to offer? I talked to a stay-at-home mother. We had coffee together, stay-at-home mom of three kids who, again, struggled with all these self-doubts, but she was telling me that um, in the past year, she has organized, coordinated her kids' schools most successful fundraiser in school history during a pandemic and while breastfeeding an infant. Who else here has done that? I mean, I haven't. I don't know about you guys. That's an amazing 
set of skills, an amazing accomplishment, but still she doubts herself and her, her place in the kingdom. I had coffee with a high school senior. She's about to graduate first in her class. She's going to go off to a prestigious school. She's been a leader her whole life, and she, because of her age and her busy schedule, thinks maybe she doesn't have anything to offer. So these people I'm talking about, they all had, you know, two things in common, three if you count coffee with me. Two things they had in common first was they all are entirely successful, incredibly gifted people. Second, they all have deep doubts about whether or not they have something worthwhile to give. And I think what happens to us is not only do we have a God who is cheering for us, a host of angels that are, that are cheering us along and protecting us, we also have an enemy working against us to convince us that what we have to give doesn't really make a difference, doesn't really do anything. What we have to give, uh, you know, is just ordinary worldly stuff, and the, the church can't use it, God can't use it, and we have this enemy preaching into our ear to deceive us and discourage us, and too often we let him. God has given you skills that you use in the world. God will give you spiritual gifts that you can use to minister to every person he puts in your path. We have to choose to believe that in order to see it. Okay, third and finally, God gives you power to serve the world around you, the people in front of you, by way of your availability. This might be the most important one. By way of your availability. Availability is a tough thing. It takes sacrifice to be available. It's inconvenient to be available. And we have this enemy telling us again that it's not worth it to make yourself available because who are you? With your past, that thing you did, that reputation you have, you know, you're just an accountant. You're just a stay-at-home mom. You're just a student. Like, what could God use you for? Like, all these doubts we let enter in. And all the while, God only wants us to say what Isaiah said in the Old Testament, when God said, who shall I send? Isaiah said, I'm here. Send me. I don't know what Isaiah's qualifications were for that particular calling, that particular sending. I don't think Isaiah knew. But all Isaiah knew is that he trusted God and said, send me. If you need somebody to send, I'm here. Send me. When was the last time you made yourself available to God? to use the gifts he's given you to some meaningful end. I uh, was thinking the other day about this young man who goes to church here. He and his wife go to church here, but, but in the beginning, it was just him. They had just gotten married, and he was coming by himself, which I don't know. I, I don't know what I thought about that. I, just, I, I know that every time he came to Monday Morning Men, which is a Bible study that I led at the time, still going on, men, Monday mornings, great Bible study happening here at The Story, he would come by himself to, to Sunday and then come on Monday and say, y'all, please pray for my marriage. Pray for my marriage. We're, we're newlyweds. He was like 25 or 26 at the time. This was four years ago. We're newlyweds. We need some help. We're always fighting. He said, I don't know why, but she's always mad at me. <laughs> and we talked him through it a little bit. And, and soon enough, we realized uh, it seems like, uh, if I remember right, it seems like she was mad at him about his car. Something about his car. Something about him loving his car more than her. Something like that. Okay. So, so she's mad at me because I love my car more. Than, and so so the guys in the group, most of whom were married and, and seasoned Christians, kind of uh, rallied around him and said, listen, the Bible says that when you love your wife, you love her like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So maybe you need to get yourself a different car. And he didn't like that, right, at first. But, but by the time we met the next week, he had gotten himself a different car. 
he showed up and talking about this different car. And we were all in shock because we knew how much he loved his car, right? And more than his wife, apparently. <laughs> and, and, and we were shocked that he would do that. And so we said, you traded in your baby to get yourself this truck that he'd gotten. He said, no, 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 I kept the car. I, now I have a truck too. And we thought, that's not what we meant at all. <laughs> and so we just, we set our minds to pray for him and his wife even more. And um, soon enough, uh, after coming by himself a little bit longer, he convinced her to, to come with him. And the first time that I met Morgan, his wife, um, I could tell she was standoffish. I, I, some people come to church and you can just tell that um, they've been wounded, maybe by church, right? by Christians or pastors. You just sense it. I'm not, I'm not 100% about that being the case for Morgan. I could just tell she had a, a posture of suspicion. And, uh, and yet she continued to come around, and, and people just continued to gravitate to her because that's just kind of who she is. And, uh, and soon enough, she and her husband, they were, they were serving together in the coffee bar, two of our best coffee bar uh, servants right out there before COVID shut coffee down and ruined everything. But eventually, we'll have that again. And, um, and, then, and then after that, it became clear that while that was good, God was calling her specifically to something even more impactful. And that became abundantly clear whenever she, for the first time, went to serve at Church Under the Bridge. And when Morgan served for the first couple of times at Church Under the Bridge, it was like watching a human soul spring to life, just, just be set on fire. And she was an unstoppable force after that. She went from being a volunteer to being the coordinator of volunteers to being the leader of the ministry but she still is today. When Church Under the Bridge needs something from the Story Church, they don't call the church office anymore. They call Morgan's personal line. And when she gets done teaching every day in the public school she teaches in, she calls them back and makes sure they have all the meals that they need, all the jackets in the winter, the shoes, and, and all the hygiene kits and everything that we always provide. She makes sure that our neighbors without houses and um, roofs over their head have what they need to survive. In July of 2018, after serving in 102-degree heat, 200 or so meals to homeless neighbors near downtown Houston, Morgan took to Facebook and shared um, this post with her Facebook following. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me despite the scorching heat. Tonight, I was lucky enough to spread the love of God along with 25 of my church members to those who need it most in Houston. Every time I serve, I feel that God has a purpose for me. And that he always puts someone in my path who is in need of prayer. You see how she connects her purpose, not just to the meals, not just to the hygiene kits, but to the prayer. That's what she thinks of first. And that applies to all ministries, not just homeless ministries. Every time I... I have someone in my path who's in need of prayer, someone I can listen to and learn from. She's a public school teacher, finds the time and energy to do this. So if you want to pursue your purpose this week, and I hope that you do it, one of the first steps means overcoming those excuses that we allow to stand in our way. I'm not good enough, I'm, not, I'm too busy, I'm not Christian enough. I don't know what I believe yet. I don't have anything to offer. That's the enemy talking. All, 
All I'm saying today is to make yourself available to God is as simple as allowing your prayer every, every morning to become the prayer of the prophet Isaiah. He said, God, whatever you have for me, here I am. Here am I. Send me. And if there's somebody in my city who's going without, somebody in my town who's hungry and I have something to give, send me and I will go. There's somebody under my roof who feels alone under my roof, somebody who's in a dark place under my roof. Lord, far be it from me to sit idly by. Send me. I don't necessarily know the words to say, but I trust you to give them to me. Send me and I will go. There's somebody in my church who's struggling. They're going through a divorce or going through depression or just, or just you know, struggling with job loss or whatever it is. Lord, don't let me be idle. Send me. Don't let me sit by and let the pastors do it. Send me and I will go. Even though I don't know the way, I will go and I will trust you at every turn. Don't let the enemy enter in and complicate this matter. The power of God, if you're a believer in Jesus, the power of God is within you through the Holy Spirit to accomplish his purposes set out before the beginning of time by being of service to him and being of service to the people he puts in front of you every day. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this reminder today, this simple reminder that we are created to serve, that it is um, a powerful thing when we make ourselves available to you, when we surrender our abilities to you, when we adjust our attitudes for your sake, Lord, this is power, life-changing, world-altering power. So often we forsake it because we've been deceived by an enemy who wants us to be distracted and idle. But right now we rebuke that enemy. In Jesus' name, we say, here am I. Send me. Amen.